is just giving. And, and we can't be attached to the things that God has in our hands. The Bible says that he gives seed to the sower. So the question is, are you a sower? And that sower is the person who doesn't have a problem with releasing because he knows there's a harvest coming. You understand? That farmer who doesn't sow, doesn't believe in, his, in, 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 in how fertile his ground is or if, if it can produce, but that's just representative of, of the kingdom principle. So God uses a lot of stuff to show us how the kingdom works. So when he talks about the farmer and the sower, if it's all about what we choose to put our stuff in. Like, like you're a result, you're, your total sum of what you are right now is a result of what you seed into. Welcome to Afro's Locks and Biz, the podcast celebrating natural hair, black culture, and black business. Charles, I am so excited for today's guest. Why are you so excited, Asia? I am. I am so excited um, because I've been listening to his podcast from um, some other things that he's done and his book, and I'm just really excited. So anyway, okay. let me let me break it down. Let me, yeah, so let me tell our listeners, okay? <laughs> Today's episode is actually Rags to Riches, Millionaire Barber. So... He's an entrepreneur of several businesses. He's a pastor, a trailblazer, and an author who wrote all about his success in a memoir called The Million Dollar Seed. So I am really excited to kind of pick his brain and see what he's got going on and, you know, have our listeners kind of listen into it. Uh, we haven't had an entrepreneur on the show in a really long time, right? In a little while, yeah. Asia. Yeah. Name. Alan Brown. I didn't say that. <laughs> Oh my gosh! <laughs> yes, okay. Alan Brown. Oh my goodness! I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. You're really I'm so excited. excited. Today, I am. I really am. <laughs> Said Asia. Is this your entrepreneur crush? <laughs> you got a poster of Alan Brown. No, that might be. Is that a thing? That might be a thing. Entrepreneur crush. Oh, I like that. I like that. That's kind of cool. I just kind of made that up, but yeah. That is. Yeah, that needs to be a. That needs to be a name. He's standing for <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I like that. But, but first. Yeah. yeah, but first. What's on your feed? feed? All right. <laughs> Who wants to go first? Uh, I'll go first. Okay. So actually, my what's on my feed came from you. Really? Yes, it came from you. And you had sent me a... Uh, kind of a link of what how would adults be if we were in a spelling bee oh yeah the spelling test post yeah 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 (laughs) and what words would we do we know we're gonna get wrong and so I just I looked at all the um all the words that they had on there and some of them were I I thought weren't too bad but I did have a couple of my own okay so um if I was in a spelling bee right now at my age, I would probably get entrepreneur wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm <laughs> as I much time that, e. that we talk about it, but it right you that R E the, the newer part is the yes. you are, and I always want to put N U E R because that just sounds like the way it should be spelled. But no, right. yeah, that I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get that today. I'm gonna get that. I'm gonna learn <laughs> that today. <laughs> learn that one today. Um, hors d'oeuvres. I don't know how to spell that right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somebody write down what you want for your orders. Yeah, uh, 
These are my appetizers. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, I had I had two more. Oh my gosh, Worcestershire sauce. Worcestershire, yeah. Mm-mm. You can't spell that or say it. So, um, so. <laughs> right. Say it. I can't. I, not, I had one more. I can't think of it. I think it's Worcestershire. Worcestershire. Uh, the only reason I know that is because I used to work in a restaurant. And so, okay. But, but um, they had, so some of the other people on the list had Wednesday. Mm-hmm. They I had still, restaurant. <laughs> I still <laughs> say Wednesday in my I do. I do. If I exactly. had to write it down. Wednesday. Yeah. I do. Yeah. <laughs> You are not alone in that. <laughs> um, they had license on there. People had difficulty with. Yeah, yeah. Restaurants. Mm-hmm. People had um, problems with. Oh God, I can't. They had another one. I can't think of it. Anywhere oh, where an E or an I have to come after a C. Oh, like the C. It's a pretty chance this might get spelled wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> um, and the then, I, yeah. yeah. And then my, um, I think. Oh, my last one was uh, like conscientious. Yeah, no clue how to spell that. <laughs> <laughs> I got you in the first letter. It's a C, and it ends at an S, but right. letters in the middle. Right? Everything in the middle. Uh-uh. Yeah, no, nah, I can't help you with that. So. Oh, I had I had fun with that one today. Yeah, that was or not, fun. you know, this week. But so, um, what's on your feed? So, what's on my feed is it was a post by. Um, Lovey Ajayi. I love Lovey. Yeah, Lovey's pretty cool. She's funny. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, Lovey Ajayi, uh, blogger, self-proclaimed international troublemaker. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> she had a post on Twitter this week about uh, an interview that Ashton Kutcher and is it Mila oh, or Myla? Yeah. yeah, about them and their kids talking about how they don't bathe their kids every day or what regularly. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> she put a poll up on Twitter and basically it just said, How often do you shower or bathe? And the choices were every day or more, two to three times a week once a week uh, and i think those were the options so uh, 86 percent of 86 percent of people said every day or more okay good it should have been 100 but anyway um 13 said two to three times a week and one percent said once a week but that wasn't the, the thing that that got everybody the thing is the comments that came after i mean <sighs> there's some disgusting people out here and just for clarity, we're not talking about people who are homeless. We're not talking about people who live in places where, you know, there is not water is not regularly available, like some places right. in the Middle East where, you know, it's a desert. You get water when you get, we're not talking about y'all. That's not who we're talking about. We're talking about the people here in America who got running water every day. Right. <laughs> and can they? It's like, really? People are washing like twice a week? So, well, Going back to Ashton Kutcher and his wife, first of all, y'all filthy rich. I don't know why y'all not washing every day. So I'm sure they got two or three houses, plenty of all the water. They probably don't even think about a water bill. So I don't understand why you're not the Europeans. I I hear that. That's the thing in France. You just don't wash every day. I don't understand that. Um, Secondly, for the people who, you know, there was another... uh, I think the, there was another poll. She said, uh, how often are folks changing out their towels? So 17% said every day, 
72% say every week. Uh, 9% say two times a month. That's every other week. Uh, and 2% said monthly. Now, I don't know how many people responded to the poll, but she has a pretty huge following. So I'm guessing a lot of people. Um, oh, no, 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 I did say uh, 1,052 votes. So do that math, however you want to do it. Um, but that's a lot of people that are changing out a towel every other week. Uh, because it's, you know, they're sweat, it's mildewies. It just sounds like a recipe for this all kinds of... Yeah. Um, somebody, okay, this is one of the comments. My coworker and her hubby share the same floss string. No, you didn't. You didn't just say that because I cannot hear that. I cannot unhear that. Oh my God. Okay. Mm, 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 mm. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Continue. <laughs> a friend of mine told me she never used soap. She was 18. She said her mom thought her her mom thought she just used soap just for the smell. We got in a legit argument. This is a comment. Uh, this is another comment. A friend of mine had a boyfriend who refused to shower to the point he developed a penis fungus. <laughs> deal with it because he was a doctor and was embarrassed to go to another doctor for treatment yeah i don't you know when i say european i think it's that you know when even though we were uh their caretakers and stuff i guess they didn't learn if we didn't teach them how to do certain things they just didn't do it (laughs) i don't know but Right? Because I don't understand how you could. Ooh. Mm-mm. That post stressed me out. Like... <laughs> Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So, my question like, are you all these people? Are you not itchy? I don't. Mm-hmm. Like, I have to shower every day. Like, it's, it's, it'll bother me if I don't. Uh, Sometimes I twice a day. Like, last weekend, I was doing yard work and I took two showers last night. Right. And so, just, oh. yeah. I was watching, I seen a video where the girl was like, um, she only. Like she only gets in the shower like every six days. What? <laughs> just to wash her. She only wash her body. She just should wash her hair. She's like, it just runs down. And so she Mm-mm, should be good. No. So it, the two others on the call, the, the one guy was like, mm, no, I don't I don't agree with that. Right. And the other guy was like, he kind of like kind of sided with her a little bit, but he was like, mm, that's a bit much. And I thought, you know, for Europeans, I thought they usually wash their hair every three days, but I guess I'm wrong. So now it's now it's every six. Um, but she could just be just the one person by herself. She yeah. could be an outlier. Yeah, she could be an outlier. I don't know. Um, I don't. And these were grown people. And it's hot right? outside. It's hot outside. I mean, it's very hot outside. Right. <laughs> and I said one of, in one of the comments, you know, she says one lady said something about her husband only washes every so often. And he doesn't. Oh, he doesn't use deodorant or doesn't use soap or something. Oh, I think no. she said he doesn't use soap and he doesn't sink. No. You used to that stink. That's what that is. You know how you go to somebody's house, sometimes they have like a cat and like right. the, the the litter box and you can smell the litter box as soon as you walk in the house. Like, oh, I don't mm-hmm. smell anything because you live right. here. So, <laughs> you're used to it. You're immune to it. Used to it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, like um, smokers. Right, Right. exactly. Yeah, I, like, yeah, I, smell, yeah, yeah, I smell it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're used to that man's funk. That's what that is. It's just normal to you. It smells like, I don't know dinner or whatever but yeah. um, <laughs> don't equate that to food <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> oh 
but that's the thing. People aren't washing themselves or their kids clearly uh, on a regular basis, and I don't understand it. I don't understand it. Like, it's just, mm. I, I have to again. It's. it's uh, Do you think that needs to be taught in school? <laughs> no. So this brings me. This is, I'm glad you brought it up. People always making you see them on like Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. You make this should be taught in school. No, it shouldn't. You're a parent. Teach your kids stuff. <laughs> so, but if the parents didn't learn it, then maybe it needs to be taught in school. That's not a teacher's job. So I'm not <laughs> put that on these teachers. Maybe they had to teach that when they teach um teach these, you know, sex ed. No. <laughs> could be, could be that could fall under health. health. Yeah. Yay. Health and sex. Yeah. Okay. I give you that. All right. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. I mean, when you don't clean your body, just like the comment said about, you know, the man getting the penis fungus. And so because when you don't clean yourself properly, that opens the door to all kinds of diseases and funguses and uh, not only, you know, fungus and stuff and, and, you know, your private areas, but also like foot funguses and fingernail funguses and, I don't know, stuff in your hair, whatever. Um, because you're not clean, and so <sighs> I just think of all the stuff that just spread. Like when you say that stuff, and then you think about COVID, you but like, oh, I get it now. I right, know how it spread exactly. that fast. I understand because <laughs> I had no idea that y'all wasn't watching. So y'all just going around spreading this stuff. Okay. That's yeah, because like I'm a guy, of course, and you know I, I go to work, and I cannot tell you if I had a nickel. Every time I've gone to the bathroom at work and some other guys in there, he used the bathroom and just walks out and don't wash his hands. And so I'm like, no. Mm. Or what really gets, what really bugs me is, you know, you see somebody else in the bathroom and you're in the bathroom and they'll walk up to the mirror. They'll use the bathroom and then walk up to the mirror and kind of like, you know, comb their hair or whatever and then walk out. I'm like, dude, the sink is right here. So- <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever say, like, you're not going to wash your hands? <laughs> No, because I gotta you work. Know, you know, they'd be like, no, you know you need to wash your hands. But I get a paper towel and open the door though. I don't know, like I'm not touching the door. So so COVID has kind of helped us out a little bit with that. So everybody's kind of washing, washing their hands and stuff more and using more sanitizer and stuff like that. I'm not a germaphobe. I don't think about any stretch of your imagination. I think I do just a normal amount of being clean. I wash my hands when I use the bathroom. I wash my hands before I eat. Uh if I sneeze or cough, you know, I gotta wash my hands. I have sanitizer in my office. I have lotion in my office. Uh, yeah, that's just the essentials. Normal. To me, yeah, clearly I'm not normal. Um, <laughs> <sighs> anyway, all right, guys. Uh, <laughs> Enough for that. <laughs> when we come back, we're going to speak to Pastor Alan Brown. He is an entrepreneur. Uh, he's going to talk to us about how he went from being a barber to being a very wealthy man. Stay tuned. All right, our special guest is here. I'm excited, I'm really excited. (laughs) Today our special guest is Pastor Alan Brown. Pastor Alan Brown is the author of Million Dollar Seed. It's a memoir where he shares the story of how God blessed him with his business that collectively generated millions of dollars in sales. And he has a long list of accolades and all the things that he's done, but 
I don't want to spoil it, so I'm just going to let him kind of give us a little feel about himself. So introducing Pastor Alan Brown. Hey, hello, how you doing? Hey. <laughs> nice introduction. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, God is good to God, to, to, to God be all of the glory for the things that he's done in my life. I just want to say that first. Um, when you talk when you talk about my book, it documents, you know, just my life story and the travels that I've that I've had on my journey, and it pretty much, you know, I put it in three phases: the phase where it was like before God, then when I knew God, and then trusting God. So my life kind of is summed up in those phases, and in each phase, you know, God was always there, but there were things that were being worked on that I didn't know would come out later. Um, there were um, just mindsets developed at an early age from early environments that I had. And, um, you know, it all came down to when I decided to trust the Lord, when I got to that last phase, he turned my life like upside down as far as what I thought I knew about the world and how everything functions uh, to personally having a relationship with Christ and totally trusting him. It was just a total different experience. So I shared it in my memoir. There's a lot of things. Um, throughout the book that I share. There's some things that I, I haven't shared, but I'm here today and just open to uh, talk about it. And I appreciate you guys for inviting me on your show. You're very welcome. You started out as a barber. So tell us how you got started with that and how you went from being a barber into being launched into other businesses. Well, it kind of was who I was at the time. Um, I think I picked up, it was not that I think, but I know at, at the age of 14, but prior to that, I was always just seeking entrepreneurial things, looking for ways to make money, um, you know, from mowing lawns and doing a lot of independent stuff, shoveling snow. And, you know, I always had this entrepreneurial thing in me. I didn't know it was entrepreneurial. I didn't know, you know, it, I was in business for myself, but I just knew that, you know, I like to get things on my own. I like to, you know, make my own money. So, so when, when haircutting came about, it came about because one of my friends had left the area. He was cutting our hair, my, me and my brother, when I say our, and uh, he had left to go off to barber school. So there was like a void. And um, what I did was I, I, I pursued getting some clippers, started messing around with his hair, started messing around with a few other people in the neighborhood. And next thing you know, a passion just started to develop, plus the independence of just knowing that I could just, you know, cut a certain amount of heads and receive a certain amount of money and, and do my own thing, buy my own sneakers or just, you know, somewhat take care of myself. I wasn't fully on my own. I mean, I still was living with my parents and everything, but right. it was just like this process of discovering and it gave me this level of independence that I enjoyed. So I just started to pursue it. And then in my pursuit came the passion for, for growing and just, you know, going further with it. Okay. Uh, how long did you cut hair? To be honest with you, uh, I still, I, I own a, a shop in a school now. And I'm teaching. I got I got back into it. I had a lot of free time on my hand. I had a lot of different things. And and I was inspired in 2017 to open back up when I said I would never do it again, because when I left it, I was kind of burnt out. And I realized that I was burnt out because um, it was like my sole source of income. And there was other things working on me that I wanted to explore. So a lot of frustrations had came back and I want to say 2002 and 2003, where I got out of it. But then I got back in, which is also documented in my in my memoir why I got back in and then there's some things that have unfolded since I wrote that book that I see why God led me exactly the way he did. Okay. When you talk about being burnt out, can you talk about how you overcome being burnt out? Well, one is to 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 recognize that that God 
is not the one that's gonna allow you to be burnt out. Sometimes we put too much on our plate. And then once we have all those things on our plate, we have to then manage all of it. And sometimes it's just too much. So that's a lot of time what the cause is. And to, to relieve that burnt out or, or relieve that, 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 that thing that burns you out is to basically just drop everything or to drop as much as you can. And, and it's a trap to believe that we have to keep juggling everything when we put ourselves there in the first place. So, so and I, I feel a lot of people, they don't know how to get out of what they decided to do for themselves. And then once they're in it, they don't, they're frustrated. And it's like, they can't relieve themselves of that. So, you know, you feel stuck, but the only way to really get out is to just back out of some stuff, say, hey, I'm sorry, I know I had obligations as commitment, but I gotta, I gotta pull out. And that's kind of what God led me to do and indirectly. I didn't know it because I kind of was kind of gonna, you know, I kind of was kicking and scratching at first, but I realized after six months of being in what he told me to get out and, and finally just saying, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna walk away and give away everything. I realized what he did for me. And, um, you know, hindsight, uh, looking at it afterwards, you can see, but I couldn't see while I was in it. And it's hard for a lot of people to just stop what they're doing and just back out of some things because they feel obligated to it. Hmm. So like the first step is to just step out, drop it, drop some things that's frustrating you. Some people say, well, I can't leave my job right now. Or I can't, I can't, you know, move to another location because this is not set up and this is not set up. And they still attach to the things that's burning them out. And it's really a big trap of, I want to say the enemy, because if he could keep you occupied, he can bring depression in your life, frustration in your life, separation, a lot of discord in different places, because you're just sitting there believing that you have to keep doing something that you said you were going to do. That make a little sense. Yeah. You made a lot of sense. I'm over here uh, self-reflecting. I was like, you know what? It was me. I did do that. No, I'm so I'm gonna go back to we're gonna get to your book and all the uh yeah, yeah. things you learned. I kind of wanna guess kind of guide the audience to along your journey and how you got from A to B to C. And no so you started out cutting hair. Cutting hair is very lucrative. I know that I used to cut hair, I used to, you know, be in the barber shop. In fact, kind of like you actually, mm-hmm. I started out in high school because my mom was a hairdresser and you know, she showed us how to use the clippers and all that. And so I was cutting my my friend's hair from school. Uh, you know, like after school on the weekends, and that's how I make my money for to hang out with my friends and you know to for prom and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot in common there. Uh, also cutting grass too. I did that too, dragging the lawnmower around the neighborhood, cutting <laughs> people's grass. But anyway, being smart about your money, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you make you know money like that, again, in the barbershop and in any kind of business like that. Uh, you've launched from one business to another. How did you prepare yourself from going to one business to another? It's like being as a barber, but then going to, um, I think uh, when I was reading over your stuff, uh, you did like some online classes and doing classes for people. And I think you own some properties and, you know, getting into like property and then real estate and that kind of thing. How do you go from one thing to the next? Because you're in a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand. I mean, and I think I know what you're saying, but I mean, I can speak for myself as, as far as my journey. A lot of things that 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 evolved for me kind of happened organically as well as the mindset or my state of mind at that time. So because, you know, for years I've been hearing about real estate, um, even before I, or I, let me see, let me think of the timing. No, I want to say right after. So, so look at it like this, right? When I was cutting hair, you know, 
15, 16, 17, 18, I started building up a clientele. And um, and at the location that I was at at the time, I really didn't like it. Some things was going on in the business and an opportunity opened up itself, right? Where a owner from another shop had everybody walk out on him. And he had opened a shop for another guy who used to work with me, but that guy ended up going to jail. Oh, wow. So he came down looking for a barber to come work with him and I wasn't happy with the situation where I was at. So he asked all of the barbers there at the time, which might've been like five to maybe seven barbers who would want to come up. He spoke to the manager there and nobody wanted to come up. Everybody was pretty much comfortable, wow. but I knew I wanted something more. So I said, you know what? I'll take that shot. Let me just go ahead. Even if it means I'll lose some clientele, I'll, I'll try that out. And everybody else was telling me I was crazy. But the crazy thing about it is that from my just stepping out like that and the character that was in me, that shop ended up becoming mine, I believe, maybe six or seven months after the fact, because um, he stopped paying the rent. And basically, the landlord contact, see me, the landlord see me working there every single day. So when he saw me working there every day, we developed a little bit of relationship. I didn't know the personal things that was going on. But one day he came in there and asked me for the owner and said, have you seen him? I said, no, nah, I haven't seen him in about maybe 30 days. He said, well, he owes me about three months worth of rent. I'm like, wait, what? I'm here every day working, I'm building up the business and this is the case. So, you know, I get a little nervous about it. My brother's there with me, we're kind of nervous about it. And then he says, um, I asked him, I said, well, tell me something, what is the rent? And he said, well, the rent is only $1,400 a month. And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm giving I'm giving him that, like in a week and a half time, I'm, give, I'm giving him that so I know that the rent can be covered. And what happened or what transpired after that was, you know, he never recovered his rent from the guy. The guy ended up getting evicted and, and the deal that I made with the landlord was if you um, uh, uh, pick up the money that was owed to me in arrears, then I'll switch it over to you and it'll be your barbershop. So that kind of is like an organic thing, but I think my mindset at the time was I was ready and I was prepared. I had already been building up and it kind of just fell in my lap. And you know, if you look, no one else wanted to make that decision because they were kind of comfortable. I wasn't. So a lot of things, you know, when I, when I get into certain businesses or, or, or or move to the next stage, it's because I was exposed to something, I saw something, and then it, it allowed me to have the confidence to know that I could actually do that. So, you know, the next thing that I went into was something called a booting business because that same that same owner had a problem with people parking in his lot and you and, and patronizing other stores in the area. So there was another car, uh, another booting company, which a booting company, I don't know if you ever see one, is where they put the boots on the cars and the car is immobile. <laughs> So the other company was growing and they couldn't, they couldn't really, you know, maintain that lot and keep the people out of there, but I was right there. So when, it, when, the, when the landlord came to me about the problem and said, the other company is not working, I said, hey, well, I'm here. I can go figure out what I need and then maybe I can manage the lot. So I said, give me a week and I'm gonna tell you. So what I did was I had a, a close relationship with the previous guy because I had had one of my friends work for him. So he, I told my friend, I said, let me, let, give me your boss number so I could, you know, reach out to him to find out what I need to start a booting business. So long story short, which I document in the book, he told me everything I need. I was able to do everything in a week. I was able to order the boots, have those in about two weeks. And the next thing you know, I had a booting business. And from that business, it grew to be like 80,000 a year that I was making probably at wow. like, I think, I think I was 19 going on 20 at the time. So again, that was just something organically, that was something that organically happened. It was like, you know, a mindset because I, I, I grew into start to develop a character where I look for the opportunity. And if I'm confident that I could carry out the task and see that there's a need, 
then I'm gonna go ahead and set up a business and try to see and try to you know, um, you know, put my hand at it to see to see if it could work out for me. And that particular thing worked out. I had it for about two and a half years before there was a downfall with the partners that I had, which I pretty much also covered in my memoir because it's really details to show how I went from one thing to the next. So hopefully I can answer your question because you know for anybody who's looking just to see what they can get in. You, you know, the best thing really is to tap into yourself. What's going on around you right now? What are the type of problems that you can solve? Because the best business, the best businesses and the ones that grow really, really, you know, well are businesses that solve problems for a lot of people, even if it's a small thing, you know, or, you know, you know it's different styles of businesses, it's different models of businesses. But if you look in all of them, they're all fulfilling some type of need. And, and, and the person who discovers the best way to fulfill that need it actually set up something to help a lot of people. And that's what's going to, you know, uh, be the result of how you monetize and how successful you are in business. So I can't put, I can, and I can only explain how, how I go about it. So when we talk about real estate, I can tell you, okay, look, when you brought up real estate with me, how I got into real estate was I didn't know the value of real estate until a guy named Derek, all right? Also my landlord at the time, but Derek really hit it. He really touched it really for me. He was the guy who owned the, a Jamaican restaurant a few stores down from my barbershop. And he shared with me that he had 15 houses. And I'm like, what does a person need 15 houses for? He's like, no, I rent them out. And he said, before I purchase a house or renovate it, I make sure that when I rent it out to, to, to get some cash flow from it, I'm making at least a thousand dollars a month on each one of the houses. So I'm like, he's, I said, how many houses you got? He said 15. So I'm like, you make 15 grand a month? He said, yeah. So I was like, whoa. So then I started to understand the power of real estate, which made me say, you know what? I have to have some property someday. And then what happens is your mind now is exposed to what the possibilities are. So it's never closed out. So it's in the back of your mind. And then the next thing you know, you start acquiring some real estate. And that's exactly what I did. So at that age, how do you learn how to handle money in finances? Well, we got to talk about the age because at that age, I still was kind of young and dumb. Let's be all transparent. Like, even though I had a mindset to build business, and grow business, my money management wasn't up to where it is. I want to say right now, I was still kind of, you know, I'm, I'm 19. Imagine I'm 19, 20. None of my friends are doing what I'm doing. They come to the shop. Hey, Al's the only one with a shop. Let's go to the club. All right, Al's the one paying for it. So let's go over here. Okay, Al's putting the bill. All right, we need this. And, and you know, it was, it, it was, you got to grow in certain areas. You don't grow in all of the areas at one time. So that's why sometimes it's not good. You know, even though you can be successful young, you'll hear a lot of guys after their success, like maybe 30, 40, say, I wish I would have known what I know now about finances and who, if I was around a particular person. So my mind was starting to shape. My first landlord, he came to me, he checked me, he said, he said, um, this is after I already got the barbershop and everything is moving. He said, listen, I noticed you wear like different clothes every day. You got sneakers for every day of the week. He's like, I got one outfit I show up to here to the shop with, right? And uh, he, get, he began to tell me, he's like, you know, he just dropped a lot of jewels on me. And there was early exposure from him that I got the seeds to then evolve into somebody who does my, you know, finances a little bit better than I did. So I'm being transparent by saying I wasn't always there. Like each, each bit comes a little at a time, a little at a time. And sometimes you got to go through a little bit of pain. Like you'll be short on something and then you'll be like, man, if I wouldn't have bought this car, and why I got to buy a $30,000 car, I should have been buying homes instead of a, a, a depreciating asset. But, you know, you got to live and you learn. You get it out of your system. Once it's out of your system, you can evolve and you can hear and receive what other people are trying to tell you about finances. So I'm just, I, that's just my disclaimer to say I wasn't always there. 
Yeah, right. I appreciate that transparency. <laughs> uh, because a lot of us, I know I wasn't. I know. I mean, I'm at a certain you know place now, but I definitely wasn't always there. I definitely have you know wasted a lot of money mm-hmm. and you know, missed a lot of opportunities. Being like you said, young and dumb, mm-hmm. and just not really knowing you know what to do with money and not having that financial literacy. Um, a couple of themes as you were talking, and thank you for answering my question. I know it was a very long and uh, <laughs> <laughs> discombobulated question. Get it out, Charles. <laughs> I love it. But, I appreciate it. Good. Good. <laughs> but a couple of themes uh, I keep hearing uh, as you're talking. Uh, number one, confidence. Uh, you're, you've been confident to jump out there when you saw an opportunity. You were confident to start cutting hair at 14. Because I know, you know, a lot of kids like, my hair because <laughs> forcing you in what like ninth grade or something right right so but you know you jumped out there anyway and ended up with a barbershop um and another thing i another thing you might keep hearing is uh relationships uh you were talking about how you were talking to your landlord and how you talked to this person the guy named Derek. uh and so relationships are very very important that's a it's a theme i talk to a lot of people about like well you you got a network you got to know people because, you know, of course, we, I know we've all heard before, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And so uh, it's good to have those relationships. And a third thing, I don't know, you know, we still got more interview to do uh, that I'm just hearing. I'm just kind of recap real quick for the audience. Uh, another thing I'm hearing is positioning. There's a book actually called Positioning. That's a really good book about business. Um, but basically being in the right place at the right time, uh, you know, seeing an opportunity and going for it. So, you know, you, you know, you've learned and you um, made sure to learn as much as you can about business and then apply that knowledge and putting yourself in a position to do bigger and better things. And so uh, I'm, I'm liking all these themes that I'm hearing as you're talking um, and you may not be calling them out by name, you know, but, you know, um, it's cool that these themes are popping up in your story. But go ahead. Did you have another question, uh, Asia? <laughs> <laughs> you're fine go ahead. no 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 <laughs> i was on the point those out real quick but yeah I'm, I'm really enjoying um your story so far yeah absolutely so can you give us a little bit about how the pastoring came to be okay that's interesting <laughs> <laughs> you know i have to say that you know since we go down the spiritual route that god has been preparing me my entire life. I've been pastoral um, just as far back as I can remember, but you just don't know. And and I, I remember I was talking to one of my friends on the corner. I was about 12, 13. And he was like, you know, he was just giving me these con- compliments and talking about me. And one of the things he said, he's like, you talk with so much wisdom. And I'm like, I didn't even know what that word wisdom was. It might have wow. been the first time. I didn't even know if he was insulting me. I'm like, wisdom, like you trying to play me or something? What are you talking about? I talk with wisdom, right? <laughs> But, but I started to get understanding. And then when I look over my life and look who I am to all of my friends and people around me and, and what they say, I've been pastoral. I just didn't have, it just wasn't like stamped. So going to, you know, let me rewind back a little bit. I, I met my wife. Let's business. So I know that, you know, I was dating and I was kind of out there and I was getting tired of that at the age of, I want to say 21. 22, 21. And, and I prayed and I didn't even know God like that. I just prayed. I mean, I knew of God. I knew church. I've been to church and stuff, but I never had a relationship. 
and I was driving. I was on my way back from uh, dropping something off for my mother, and she asked me to drop, drop these two young ladies off, so I dropped them off. And I was dealing with a, a few females or women at the time, all right, young ladies. And I said, uh, I said, God, I just need one woman to build with, to work with. And then just out of nowhere, I meet this young lady 15 minutes or 10 minutes after I made that prayer. And she became my wife. So I, that's, the, that's the very abbreviated story. That's the very, very abbreviated story. But it's a lot of magic to it, which I address in my memoir. But after meeting her, certain things started to align itself up. For one, the booting business that I was talking about that I was growing, I had partners in it that were stealing. And my wife came to me and said, she only knew me for about a week or two. And she said, uh, we was only, we was engaged because I was engaged to her in 11 days, which is another story. Wow. <laughs> so, okay. so she comes to me short time after and says, let me tell you something. Um, your partners are stealing money from you. And I'm like, I kind of look at her like, we don't even know each other that well. And you telling me something. And I know these guys since I was like 15 years old, like, are you telling me about them? Like, what's the evidence? She's like, there is no evidence. I just have a feeling. So I'm learning like, what in the world is she talking about? She got a feeling. So all right. I don't pay no mind to it. I just think that it's something I don't know exactly yet. About a month or so, maybe six weeks, she come back to me. She said, listen, I'm telling you, I don't know how, but your partners are stealing from me. So at that point, we, we grew a little closer. I'm sitting here like, I need to investigate this. I'm gonna give the abbreviated story. But the abbreviated story is, we hooked up some stuff, found out that they were stealing, and I was just shocked. And I was just like, oh my God. So it kind of made our relationship mean something more to me because I'm like, this person just came in my life and just dropped some nuggets and it was true. And you know, you just start to grow with that individual. So it kind of worked out where they they were out of my business, but or we dissolved that business because of of the uh the stealing and whatnot. But it it's it set off something where there was a series of different conflicts going on. I was falling out with everybody but her. And, 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 and Easter Sunday was coming up after all of this went down. And she was like, you know, you want to go to church? And I'm like, yeah, because I was the once a year go to church Easter type guy. Okay. So we go to church and God in this service, the preacher's preaching. And he's like, um, Jesus is the real deal. This is, what he, this is what he's preaching. And I keep hearing that theme, real deal, real deal. And he was like, your friends might from you, cut you off, do this, backbite you, your family and that and that, but Jesus won't do any of that. He's the real deal. That's the first time ever that I went to church and a message resonated with me the way it did. And I told my fiance at the time, because we wasn't married, I said, I got to go give my life to Christ because he was doing like an altar call. So she was like, are you serious? Like, I'm like, I just heard something I never heard before and it touched me in a way that I never heard before. So I'm trying to abbreviate. Um, so, so, so I end up, you know, joining the church, getting saved, getting connected. And they had like a quarterly baptism. So it was about three months in, I remember, after learning and having a new beginners class and learning a few things, it was time for baptism. So we got baptized, the both of us together got baptized. It was the day after I got baptized, I woke up and I was preaching to a lot of people. And I went to her and I said, hey, I just woke up out of this dream where I was preaching to a lot of people and whatever, whatever. So um, <laughs> We go and we buy some bikes that day. We bought some mountain bikes and we decided to ride to the Christian bookstore. Long story short, we locked up the bikes. As we locked up the bikes, there was a guy that I just knew. His name was, Rev my wife knew, our fiance at the time, she knew. His name was Reverend Johnson. We, 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 I get introduced to him as we're walking into the Christian store. He, he said, hey brother, I got to tell you something. I turn around, I walk back 20 feet to him. I'm like, what's up, what you have to tell me? He said, you don't know it yet, but you're a, a reverend. God is calling you to preach his word. Mm -hmm. I'm sitting here like, like, what? 
So then I go into this, the Christian store and I'm thinking about what he said. And while I'm in there, I'm thinking about the dream that I had that morning. So I'm sitting there kind of blown away. Like how in the world is that, that where I have that dream and there's somebody randomly that I just meet for the first time. Tell me that. And what it did was it set off a series of things that happened for the next 13 weeks. So I go to my pastor, my pastor, I tell him what's happening to me. Random people keep coming up to me, sharing that. And then, and he says, I, when I go talk to him, he's like, it's just God trying to tell you something. So I call my mother. When I call my mother, I'm like, my God, can I come talk to you? So I go talk to her. She tells me to come over. I'm sitting in the living room telling her what I just told you guys. And then when um, she hears everything I'm saying, she says, you know, Alan, when you was younger, you, your brother and sister was walking down the block and Ms. Grassel came out of the house and said, hey, Carolyn, your kids look nice today. She said, uh, but Alan, when he grows up, he's going to be a minister. I said, Ma, how come you never told me that story? She said, I didn't remember that story until you just told me everything that was happening. to you." So right after that, I got invited to a tent service. I went to a tent service. It was a preacher preaching. And this is after like 13 weeks or 14 weeks of this happening. He calls me from the back and he says, young man, I got to tell you something. He says, um, random people keep coming up to you in the street, asking if you're a preacher, you're a minister, you're a pastor, whatever. He said, it's going to keep happening until you accept it. That's what God is calling you to do. My wife just fell out and started crying because about yeah. six times out of the times, she was standing right next to me when random people was coming up to me. I turned to her, she's just bawling in tears. I look at him and I said, all right, I'll receive it, I'll do it. And pretty much that was the start of me just knowing what God had me to do as far as the pastoral role or the ministerial or just the elder role in, in, in the body or in the kingdom of Christ. So hopefully that was the long route to get to because you asked me a question like as far as when did I know I was going to be a pastor, or whatever. So yes, there's yes. a few things of the ingredients that got me there to get the full understanding that, wow, this is what I'm called to do. And um, that's, I hope that answers the question. I know I took a little long, but I hope that answers. No, because it, it sounds like um, you can run, but you can't hide type deal. Like he's just going to keep coming <laughs> until, you, <laughs> yes. until you just accept that that's, that's the, you know, the role that, you know, God has for you. So, that's, yeah. that's a yeah. so I mean, and it, it evolved from that. Like I was, I was in the Christian bookstore. Now this is after I became ordained. I was in the Christian bookstore and, um, you know, there's magnetics that you put on your, your refrigerator. Mm -hmm. So I'm standing there. I don't have nothing in my hand. I haven't even decided to shop yet. I'm just using the store, moving around. And one of the attendants at the store says, hey, sir, you dropped something. I'm like, I didn't drop anything. I didn't have nothing to drop. He's like, no, you dropped something. So we both now looking at the floor. He's like, right there. I turn to the floor and it's, it's face down. So I can't even see what it is, but it's a magnet. So he says, you didn't drop that? I said, no, I didn't drop that. He said, it's probably yours. So I go to pick it up. When I turn it over, it says pastor. It says what on it? It says pastor. Wow. Okay. It says pastor. So I, I just know that God has some, because people ask me a lot. This comes up a lot. Like, how do you know when God is speaking to you? How do you know when it's that? A lot of times people don't realize that God is speaking all the time. It's just that we dismiss him because we're clouded by our own thoughts. We're clouded by our own ways. We don't let him get in. So there's a lot of times those breakthroughs where God really shocks you and says something, but we don't persist to know or, or to feed in to find out, is there more? Is he trying to say more? And that's where a lot of, that's where a lot of us don't get where we're supposed to go, where we're destined to do, we don't hear, because we're caught up in a lot of the distractions that the world has to offer. So when you let all of that stuff down, you'll start seeing stuff. Like, for example, I said that I would get into why I got back into barbering. I told my wife in 2003, after I had the breakthrough for the internet and stuff like that, and 
what I decided to do that I would never get back into the barber business because of the frustration that it brought me. <laughs> I had lost my passion for it at the time. But in 2017, I sat her down in my office. I said, babe, I said, I think I'm going to open up a barbershop. The first thing she brought back to remembrance was, I thought you said you would never do that. Like, you you, you just got so disgusted with it. And I'm, I'm sitting there confused with her. Like, I don't know what I got to do for it. I'm sitting, I'm, I'm passing barbershops, stopping my car, just looking inside of barbershops like, like a crazy man, looking at tools and like, God, is this what you're saying? But it really wasn't until this last year that I understand why he brought me back and why, you know, something, a gift that I had and I did so well that I came back into it. And, and the reality is, is that I set up at a shop where the owner, you know, set me up. I got a great deal because we had a, we had a place we were going to do before we prayed about it. It wasn't the place. Another place we looked at, it was the place. We just knew it was the place to open up the shop. We did it. Long story, this is, this is the abbreviated version now. I was talking to one of the barbers and I said just randomly, I think I'm going to open up a barber school. Next thing you know, God tells me to walk out in my community and start looking for a barber school. I told my son, I said, I'm going to leave the shop and go out and just look for a barber school. So he's like, okay. So I go look out randomly for a barber school. The landlord of the, the place that I'm at asks me to hook him up for a cut. But he calls me on a Thursday. So Thursday, I was not working. He calls me on a Thursday. I see the call come in. But while he calls me, I'm looking at the old YMCA now where I'm at that I'm looking in the window at. And he calls me. So, so, so when he comes to see me on Friday, he said, I called you yesterday. I said, yeah, I was busy. I was looking in a place to open up barber school. He said, why don't you talk to your landlord? Because the place next door to you is going out of business. I'm like, really? But I talked to him. Next thing you know, the barber school becomes, uh, the bar I opened up a barber school right next to the location of my barbershop. So I'm sitting here like, God, I didn't know this is what I was going to be doing. So so many people, have, not so many people, I had about 14 students, but about seven to eight graduated already. We got a graduation coming up August 10th. But the whole kicker of it is, is that the owner of that place came to me last year because he had a terminal illness and said, I got to get rid of the building. Do you want it? And to be honest with you, it's 11 unit building. It has two stores and eight apart. It has nine apartments and two stores. And me and my wife are closing on the building tomorrow. Monday at two o'clock, the building will be mine. I will own it. So wow. now when God inspired me, if I would have said, God, I said I would never go back into barbering, the opportunity that presented itself wouldn't have presented itself. I would have I turned off the voice in my head that kept on going on and on, like open up, open up, open up. Because I had learned so much of a different level of business that I was like, I'm really not into trading my time for the actual dollar no more. I build businesses now that make me money and I just run them and they continue to make money. So it was kind of off as far as my way of thinking, but I also knew the voice of God. And when you listen to the voice of God, sometimes there's opportunities. The guy told me, we got into contract last year. The guy told me, you know, because the other landlord and other people around, like I heard the building is worth 1.3. The landlord next to me was like, you know, it's worth 1.1. I got into contract with the landlord for a million dollars, right? There was a lot of ups and downs and stuff like that. Nine months, I want to say, after, no, I'm sorry, maybe seven months into contract, because of the ups and downs, he got frustrated. He said, you know what? Don't give me a million. Just give me $900,000 for the building. Wow. Yep. So the building presents cash flow that basically allows generational wealth to be produced just by me following the voice of God. Yep. 
And I was just about to ask you what doors did pastoring open up for you? <laughs> but, well, pa pastor, well, well, pastoring, you know, I, there's different levels to pastoring. Okay. And I want to say that who I am, it's just who I am that I think that just bring, opens up the doors because the body, what I do in the kingdom and the body is what I would do if I wasn't a pastor or not. That's what I, that's what I believe. God called me and called me and told me what I was. But I just think that, you know, there's so every day people come, kids, mothers, thank you for, thank you for talking to my son. To me, those are the doors right there. Like, you know, like mm -hmm. the, like the gateways for the opportunities that, that God has gave me. And then he gives me a platform to reach out and be personal with individuals. I, I believe that's where, I'm, that's where I'm at with pastoring. So I don't really look at it as pastoring is the thing that really kind of opens the doors, but just what God places me and does for me and me just being obedient. It's like my obedience is like really what's to open up the door. Because you can be a pastor and, and a lot of things not happen for you because you ain't listening. And you're in your own ways and stuff like that. So it's really not the, the titles of the positions that really open the doors, but it's really your obedience. If you hear God speaking to you and, and he says, listen, I know you got one more year to retire and you're going to get this pension, but I need you to drop everything right now and go here. It's best for you to do that. <laughs> What people get caught up in is like, I don't, I don't gave this company my whole life and I got one more year and, and this and that and that. And a lot of times you'll hear people talking in their stubbornness in their own selfish ways. And God can't penetrate your soul and your spirit to lead you to, to, the, to the abundance or the exceedingly, you know, uh, 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 blessings and abundance that you can't even actually think. You, you're in control of yourself, so you get what you control. But if you let God control you and God lead you, you would just stumble on the biggest blessings and you'd be like, how in the world did that happen? And that's pretty much what my, the Million Dollar Seed book, a lot of people look at that book and they'll say, the Million Dollar Seed or another pastor just trying to get money or talk about this. But one thing that I did to bring or generate that level of income was to just ask God to give me freedom to raise my sons. Lord, I'm tied down. I don't have the time to really enjoy my family, my wife, I need that time. That was my prayer. My prayer was never for money. My prayer was, Lord, I need freedom. And he said, you need freedom? All right, drop everything you're doing and follow me. Now, let me tell y'all something, being transparent. It took six months to do it. Okay. I had, I had to have more pain. See, there, there's a certain amount of pain inside of the ingredients that God will get you to move if you don't move. If you ask him for something, he trying to get you there and you don't go at first, watch out. There might be some pain. You're going <laughs> to... You might lose a few things because he's trying to get you and see the obstacles are going to come because he's trying to get you to be there. And if you can overcome and trust his word, it develops your faith and you learn more and more of him. You're, you're, you're more steadfast. You're more stable. When he tells you, you're more able to wait. You're not, you're not sitting there weary because you already know a lot of times this is going to come, obstacles are going to come, but he's working in all of that. You just have to believe that what you ask for is coming through all of that. And a lot of people, and I say people, but even Christians, people that say they're connected, don't want to be connected that way. They don't want, they don't want to get it that way. They just want to get it their way and they just got their mindset or they have, they have an idea of how God is supposed to do it. So they're stuck on that idea and they don't let the idea go because it may not come like how you see it's going to come. Can you... I, hope I, I hope I didn't veer off your question. No, you... <laughs> Well, it just leads me to another question. Um, our, can you tell our listeners a little bit about when you decided to just let everything go? Because I don't, they don't know any of that. All right. After all of the pain. <laughs> yes, after all the pain. I was frustrated. And, and, and 
I prayed about it and I was sitting there knowing that, knowing that, you know, I wasn't passionate. I had a burning desire to be with my kids. I got four sons. And um, I just said, you know what? I'm going to jump out the window. And I went to talk to my wife first. I said, this is what God is telling me to do. Give everything away. So of course there was a little opposition, but it was no, it was no, it was nothing that I had to like fight really, really hard. I shared with her what I wanted to do. I let it resonate with her for a little while. And then I started slowly doing it until it scared me. So I'm asking God, okay, what to do now? So I, I, I had to get rid of my home and I had to get rid of the shop that I had at the time. So as soon as I decided in my heart that I'm going to follow God, God put the buyers right there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He put, because I tried to, I tried to do it without doing it God's way and I failed tremendously. Six months went past, nothing worked out. I said, all right, God, I'm, I'm going 100% your way. Just tell me I'm going your way. So once he told me what to do, get rid of my houses, get, get rid of my house and get rid of my shop. As soon as I said I was going to do it, buyers came. So I sold those. I had a large sum of money because I bought a house at what at 150. I sold it for 300,000. So I made money there. Then I saw I, I had my shop that I built up from scratch. I sold that for close to uh, 40 something thousand dollars. So we're sitting good. And he doesn't instruct me to give the money away. So now when I'm in prayer, God is telling me, okay, now I want you to give your money away. So I'm like, okay. I don't think he means like all, oh, but I think that what's going to happen, and this is my mind, I think that once I start giving money away, he's going to overwhelm me, bless me. <clears throat> so the first money that I decided to give away was my pastor, my first pastor, I want to say. We wasn't really on great terms, but we was always talking. But I call him and I say, I got to have a meeting with you. He's like, all right, no problem. We set up the meeting. I go to the meeting with him right, si right while I'm outside of the meeting. I'm trying to write a $7,000 check to him. And the spirit keeps telling me, write an $8,000 check. I'm sitting there like, I'm really literally trying to put the pen to the paper. And it's like, nope, don't do that. Write $8,000. So I finally write $8,000. I go give it to him. This is the abbreviated version. Mm -hmm. I give it to him. I after we talk, I say, Pastor, I got something for you. I leave. He calls me back. He said, man of God, you don't know that I had an $8,000 need. I needed exactly $8,000. I was short somewhere and I needed $8,000. I asked the Lord. $8,000 and you come and you drop off 8,000. Wow. So I'm sitting there before he gives me that call. God, why you keep telling me eight? Why you keep telling me 8,000? I'm trying to write seven. But eight is the representative, representative number for new beginnings. So anytime you see eight, God is trying to do a new thing. And that's what he was telling me. So it meant one thing for me, but it fulfilled another thing for him. And that's how God does it. Sometimes you just don't know why he's telling you to do something. So that began a series of me just releasing money, releasing money. Me and my family went on a trip. We released money. We visit some of the churches and some of the pastors that I enjoy. We drove down to Texas, went to God's house, you know, went to different ministries, just dropping money everywhere. So it's getting down to the wire. And I'm like, God, like, when is this blessing coming through or whatever? So but one thing God is showing me is that I'm learning, I'm learning and I'm learning. And I'm realizing that if I still had the obligations and didn't let everything go, I would have never went into the new realm he was taking me. He was taking me into a new realm. But I had to let go of everything. So I was studying computer pro programming the whole year. One thing I didn't give away was my laptop. I gave everything away. I was standing in, in the middle of a young couple's uh, house and uh, they had no furniture. They had a baby on the way. They had no furniture. So I went over to the guy because he was a computer programmer. So I'm talking to him about some work. And God says, all that furniture from your house, I had a three-bedroom house, all that furniture, TVs and everything, 
I want you to give it to them right now. I, while I was standing in the middle of that empty house, I heard the spirit talk to me. I said, hey, what you doing tomorrow? He said, nothing. I said, we're going to get a U-Haul. I got a whole bunch of furniture I'm going to bring to you. So he was like, wait, what? I filled up his house with all the furniture, leather couches, a leather couch or set, um, big screen TV, knickknacks for the kitchen, all that stuff. And he invited his family over the next day. They just was like elated. They was like, wow. Like, and I'm sitting there like, okay, God, I see what you're doing. Like, I'm just dropping stuff off. So, so while you're building and stuff like that, you still have the old you, which is the old mindset. And you're going, you're trying to hunger and see what God got for you. So you're trying to follow. So it gets down to the wire. I'm in my father's house for about almost a year. My father comes to me. He doesn't know. And my mother don't know. Only me and my wife know that we just got rid of everything or getting rid of everything. My father comes to me and says, Alan, you've been here for almost a year. Tell me what you're doing, because you was only supposed to be here for less than a month. <laughs> so he's talking to me in a way I feel, I don't even feel like a man. I feel like, oh my God, like, this is like painful. My father's coming to me, checking me, basically, he's check, like putting me in my place. Like, what you doing here? Like, are you a bum? I raised you better than this. That's, that's how I was interpreting it. So when he left my presence, I was just so burnt. But before he left, I, I told him, I said, dad, I gave all my money away. I don't have anything. <laughs> He's like, so the money you 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 got and you earned from the house sale and the barbershop, like you gave all that away. So he walked away from me, mumbling, looking at me like I was crazy. I felt like the lowest you can feel, I guess, as a man. That's how I felt. I went to the basement of my of my parents' home because that's where we were staying while we was in transition. I said, God, this is exactly how I talked to him. I said, God, you told me if I give everything away, you will bring all of the stuff that I need in place from the businesses, from my town, my family. And I'm like, you got me out here looking crazy. This is how I'm talking to God. Like, I'm feeling crazy right now. Like, this is embarrassing. I'm doing all of that. And then God speaks to me in the same spirit he speaks to me and says, what's in your back pocket? So I'm sitting there like, what in the world? What's in my back pocket? I keep my wallet in my back pocket. So while I keep saying that, I get the revelation. And I'm like, oh, my God. When I sold my barbershop, I sold it for half cash and I took a promissory note for the rest. The promissory note was paying my family close to $300 a month. And, and we, we gave away the other cash. So I sold it for 42,000, gave it like 20 something thousand away. We spent it, gave some of it away. And I was using the note to take care of my family. So that $300 a month, we was living off of when we gave everything away. But I'm sitting there like, oh my God, I got the biggest revelation. I'm sitting there saying, I held on to the last 17,000 when we talking about God here. So I'm acting like God is not going to bless me. So, so I even told my wife about a month before that we're going to hold on to this last money. Actually, it started off as 20,000, but it had got down to 17 after the monthly payment. And I told her, I said, we're going to hold on to this until God, until God does what he's going to do. But that was my backwards way of thinking. I was supposed to get rid of everything so God can do what he said he, was, he wanted to do. And, and I was in total obedience. So I, after I, after that prayer, I ran upstairs to my wife. She was upstairs. I said, babe, the last $17,000 that we have, we have to get rid of it. So she's like, at this time, she's already 100% on board. She's like, so where are we going to get rid of it to? Who are we going to give it to? I said, I don't know because God didn't tell me that yet, but I got to get rid of it. So immediately after that conversation, a prophetess that I know named Pro, uh, Rod Shepherd, she calls me. She says, Elder, what you doing? I said, I ain't doing nothing. I'm just at my parents' house. He said, when the last time you've been to church? I said, I haven't been to church in, in weeks. I said, God, we just ain't on the same page right now. She said, listen, whatever you do, you come to my church, you can go to my mother's church. 
but you have to get to church because God has something for you. Immediately when she said that, I saw a vision of a church. I saw the church sign and everything. So I told my wife, we have to get to church this Sunday. Oh, this is the abbreviated version because, you know, it, it, it's very detailed. But I get to, like, Sunday comes, and we had already gave away everything. So we're walking down Jamaica Avenue, which is an avenue down where, where my mother lives, two blocks away. And we're passing all of these churches. And my wife is like, is this the church? I'm like, no, nah, this is not it. That goes on for three blocks. We get to the third block. I see a, a church sign. I said, this is the church. This is the vision that I've seen. This is the way we got to go. So my wife is like, are you sure? She's like, yeah. So we take the kids, we pack them up, we go into the church. We're already in the middle of the service because we was a little late. So the, the pastor comes to us at the end of the service and she's talking to us. We greet each other. And she says, um, young man, she says, this week, God is going to have one of the biggest financial blessings for you. It's going to happen for you this week. So Sunday starts the week. She tells us this on Sunday. So for the rest of the week, me and my wife are just looking for this major blessing to come through all the way till it gets down to the wire. Saturday night, I'm looking at emails. I'm asking my mother, was there any mail that I missed? I'm watching Saturday Night Live. Saturday Night Live goes off at one o'clock in the morning. I watched that whole show and I'm like, this lady lied. She lied. Like the week don't cross over and she said a blessing was coming. Like I'm so hungry and after God and I'm believing her, it ain't come. I'm thinking, well, you know what? It's still not one o'clock all over. The, I mean, it's not 12 o'clock all over the world. Like, you know, California, West Coast is three hours behind. I got all these things I'm saying in my head to make sure I find this blessing. So I write, a, I write it off. Tuesday comes. I dismiss the lady. I'm sitting at my laptop. I'm working on, you know, development. And all of a sudden, God speaks to my heart and says, I want you to give the last $17,000 to that woman of God you just met. I ran upstairs to my wife. I said, babe. God just told me where to give the last money. She said, where? The, the, to, the, to, the, to the pastor that you just met, the lady? I said, yes. So, so we, we can't wait to get to that church, right? Mm-hmm. The next Sunday, we get to walk into the church, and me and my wife get into an argument. She says, babe, <laughs> that money should go to your parents. We've been there almost a year. We didn't give them nothing. I said, I said, babe, God did not tell me to give that money to my parents. God told me to give that money to that woman of God. So I'm like, I'm giving it to that woman. She's like, I don't think so. So we have our little squabble. Every couple have a little squabble here. So she finally follows. We get to the church. The lady calls me back because she told me I would have a testimony for her. When I came back, I said, I walked into the church. She called me up. She said, young man, I told you when you come back, you have a testimony. Come here. I come up to the church. It's a small storefront church, maybe 20 people in there. I said, I don't know if I got a testimony, but I'm going to tell you what I went through in the last year, which I was basically what I just shared with you guys. And at the end of what I said, I said, Pastor, God told me to bring the last of my money to you, to put it in your hand. You could use it for the church or you could use it for your personal business. I don't know, but I just know that God told me to put this money in your hand. So she says, okay, give it to me. So what happened was I forgot the documents. So, so after church, I went home, I dropped my wife off, I came back by myself. Her and two elders were sitting there waiting for me. Actually, a, her, an elder and a deacon were sitting there waiting for me. So I said, Pastor, here's the money that's owed to me. It started off as $20,000. There's monthly payments that was, that was paid to me. The balance is about $17,000 and change. She said, okay. So I signed it over to her, so she took ownership of it. Soon as I signed it over to her, she took ownership of it. She said, so what do you do? I said, well, I'm a minister. I do motivational speaking. I actually have some um, some audios that I actually speak over hip hop beats. 
He said, that's interesting. So I'm like, why is that interesting? She said, because my son, he's in hip hop. I'm like, well, who's your son? She said, my son is Rockwilder. So I'm like, oh my God. Now, if I go back a little bit, I studied Rockwilder's music. Rockwilder is somebody who produced for Janet Jackson, Jay-Z, Beyonce, Destiny's Child, Little Kim, Method Man, Red Man, Jay-Z, wow. like Little Wayne, Eminem. This dude, this dude has hits for everybody, right? So I'm sitting here like looking at her. And while she while I'm looking at her, I'm looking at her expression. I'm like, she looked like Rockwilder. But I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe that God would have me to first, first my mind goes to my earthly thoughts. My earthly thoughts was like, why in the world would God have me give Rockwilder's mother? my last 17,000, when Rockwiler's mother is well taken care of because that's Rockwiler's mother, right? Right, right? I'm sitting here like, was that a mistake? And then as I'm walking home, I'm saying, God, I know you did something. I don't know what you did, but I know you did something. So I get back to my wife. I'm like, babe, that money we just gave away, that was to Rockwiler's mother. And he, so she's like, well, who's Rockwiler? I said, babe, okay, do you know this song? And I start naming songs. I'm like, you know this song of Missy Elliott where she's with Little Kim and Maya, Lady Mama Late? She's like, yeah. I said at the end of the song when Missy says Rockwaller, she shot him. That's her son. So she's like, I know these songs, but I don't know him. I'm like, well, that's her son. I don't know what God did, but God did something. So my wife likes to pay devil advocate sometimes. She's like, well, how do you know that it's something tied to you with Rockwaller? I said, I don't know, but I just know. So I'm going to give y'all the long story short again, because I know I got to go in about 15 minutes. But the long story short is that while I was away from the barbershop, if you heard in my story, I was studying computer programming and web development. I had a site called gotnerds.com at the time I was working on. Nothing never happened of gotnerds.com. But what happened was because I wasn't cutting hair, because I had no distractions, because I had no mortgage, no car payments, I didn't have to focus on nothing but web development. When I connected with Rock, I had already learned everything I needed to know. And I said, yo, you want to start a website together? He said yes with no hesitation. We started a website that made millions of dollars and took care of me for over 15 years, which gave my family and my kids and my wife all the freedom that we need. We didn't show up to no job, no work, no businesses. We just made thousands of dollars off the internet. Uh, the, 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 rock battle, the rock battle.com, which I recently just took it down. We're going to revamp it. Made millions of dollars, paid producers all over the world. And God came through on his prayer. And that's why my book is really called Million Dollar Seed because from that one connection, other money started coming up. I developed a software where I launched a beat website that helped producers with, um, with, with building a website without having to know any pro uh, uh, programming. That made a couple hundred thousand dollars for me. I started putting online courses together. Those started making thousands of dollars for me. I started doing everything and doors was just opening up from speaking and just development and so many things from that thing, even including my book, the book documents and gives you all of the details and behind the scenes of what I just shared. And that's why my book is called Million Dollar Seed. And it's that's just a really great, that's a really great story. I'm glad that worked out for you. Uh, <laughs> when you told the, the pastor, when you told your wife you had to give your, the pastor all your money mm -hmm. because uh, I don't know, God might have to come up with a couch for you to sleep on after. <laughs> <laughs> If you it know didn't work out. <laughs> so I'm glad it worked out for you. I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna share something with y'all. Okay. Y'all don't know this, but my wife is in my office. She's, she's enjoying the interview. She, you know, I invited her to come on. I'll, I'll let her say something maybe briefly. But okay. my wife, God has tailor made this woman for me 
And one time, I'm gonna tell you this story. I actually put it in my book. We were sitting around. It was about five women at a at a like a Thanksgiving event or or something like that. We was at one of our family member houses, and the women somehow this conversation came up and it said, "If your husband had nothing, would you live in a cardboard box with him?" Everybody was like, "Uh-uh, ain't nowhere in the world." Da, 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 da. My wife was like, "I would, I would do it," and it's it's really because. And I don't want, I don't, I don't, she would have to speak for herself. I don't want to say she would have done that from, from the day that she met me. But at the time, she already knew me to know how hard I go for the things that I say I'm going for. So there was a level of trust that I feel like, this is what I'm saying, I feel like that she can rely on me. And I was re a reliable person that where she could let her total self go because, I, because she knew that she could see the mission in me. So that's what I would, that's what I would say. I mean, my wife, there's so many experiences. I'll give you one more testimony and I'm, I'm gonna let you get it back. But we rode to Jersey together for ordination. We didn't really have no, you know, no money on us. And I bought like $200 out the house after spending gas and stuff like that. Our offering was taken. And this is the beginning process. And my wife was, wit wit was a witness to this. This is, this is before me giving away. Cause people ask me like, how was you able to do that? It was in stages that God worked with me and built my faith. So at this offering, I had about $140 left in my pocket. I'm in, I'm, 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 I'm one state away and I don't have no debit cards or anything like that. And my wife, I know she didn't normally carry like cash, whatever, stuff like that. Cause we, you know, I covered it. So the offering came around and when the offering came around, the spirit was telling me then put the whole $140 in, in the offering. I'm sitting there like, that doesn't make any sense. I'll put a hundred, but I need at least $40 for emergency. I got my family. At the time I got two little kids. Anywhere in the world, I'm, I'm going back home with no money in my pocket on the highway. And I had to go through three tolls. I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna leave. So I didn't even tell my wife this conversation I'm having with the spirit in the church. So I'm sitting outside the church. And even while I'm outside of the church, something is telling me to go back and give the remaining $40 and just you know give it to them and say, take it. So I'm sitting here, I'm dismissing it. I'm fighting God and, and, and I'm just fighting it hard. So as we leave, I know I had this conversation. I dismissed it. We get towards the first toll. And when we're about, I don't know, I want to say a quarter mile away where they start saying, you know, the toll is coming up or so. I go to gesture to reach in my pocket for the money. And my wife turns to me and because she sees me reaching, she says, hey, when we left home, I grabbed the extra $40 out the drawer. Do you need it? I was just like, oh my God. Wow. God was telling me the whole time that he would get me home. My wife had that the whole time. I didn't know it. I just had to trust him. It was really from times like that that I said, you know what, God? I got to start getting, you know, obedient to your spirit. And those incidents kind of shaped me to actually develop me to the stages that I got. She, she was there for all of that. So, so I just want to say that, you know, it was built up in her faith at that time to know that God really was leading me so she could yield sometimes and she did it she did it god is good <laughs> hope i ain't boring y'all no 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 i know you said you gotta go so i don't want to no, no yeah i got uh, I, I got a few more minutes okay okay um so your book is called uh million dollar seed so mm -hmm. what is what's the what's a couple of the top things you want your readers to walk away with you know when they read this book Wow, I actually shared so much in, in a lot of what I was saying. For one, to, 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 to trust God and have total faith in God. That's like the biggest thing. That's that, you know, that 
There are things that can work for you if you tap into it and God wants you to tap into that realm. You know, there's a lot of distractions. There's a lot of distractions out here for us and a lot of us don't live to our full potential as far as even being kingdom citizens because we never really fully submit to the kingdom. We never really fully submit to what God has going on and we're so indoctrinated with what the world is saying for us to do that we never really see when God is telling us what to do. And I think my book lays that out. And if you look at my book, you know, I talk in the introduction how it's laid out in three phases. I talked about it a little bit just now. It's like the time before I knew God, the time just, just knowing who he was, and then the, the time trusting him. The time trusting him was really me taking the steps to follow what was going on in the kingdom and understand that there's another world, another existing, another realm out here that a lot of even Christians don't tap into. So my book pretty much points that out. Um, another thing, if that's one, another thing is that there's principles. I lay out a lot of wisdom in my book, but there's a lot of principles that we need to understand that will work for us if we fully submit to those principles. I mean, one principle that's really big that the theme of my book is all about is just giving. It's just giving. And, and we can't be attached to the things that God has in our hands. The Bible says that he gives seed to the sower. So the question is, are you a sower? And that sower is the person who doesn't have a problem with releasing because he knows there's a harvest coming. You understand? That farmer who doesn't sow doesn't believe in, his, in, 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 in how fertile his ground is or if, if it can produce, but that's just representative of, of a kingdom principle. So God uses a lot of stuff to show us how the kingdom works. So when he talks about the farmer and the sower, if it's all about what we choose to put our stuff in. Like, like you're a result, you're, your total sum of what you are right now is a result of what you seed into. The problem is too, a lot of people don't know that every day they're sowing seeds. It could be bad seeds. You could be sowing seeds of discord. You could be sowing seeds of, of time wasting. And then wasting, you're going to lose time if you're sowing seeds of time wasting. Look at your conversation. So my book kind of points out a lot of that as well. I mean, I don't know if I have a third point. It's, yeah, <laughs> you know, obedience is key. Right. Obedience yeah. is, is, is very key. But um, those, are, those are some of the main things that I would want somebody to walk away once they, they see my story to say, like, to see how my life shifted when I decided to, to, to go ahead and, and, and follow God all the way. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Um, all right. Uh, so real quick before you got to go, uh, we have a little, it's not really a game. It's kind of a game, but we call it number one. And basically uh, it's four questions. And we ask you um, to basically tell us what your number one thing is. And so uh, I will let Asia go first. It's just four questions. So what's your number one favorite scripture? Oh my gosh, y'all are gonna hurt me. Y'all are gonna be mad at me. You know why? And, and, and I get asked this, and then in other areas of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. People ask me all the time, what's your favorite color? I don't have one. They say, what's your favorite place? I don't have one. What's your what's your favorite favorite anything? And I say y'all gonna get mad because I'm kind of against favorites because when you hold on to them, it'll create biases in you. So, yeah, so let me, so, so say, say, say for example, there's, there's something that presents itself to me, right? And it's, it's, it's black, white, red, blue, and green. And let's just say red is my favorite color. Mm -hmm. I will have a subconscious bias to lean towards it because it's my favorite color. And then not realize that the black, I was supposed to pick black then because it was funny, or I was supposed to pick uh, green then, and it doesn't allow me to have the proper assessment. So my favorite scripture 
is the one that God gives me at the moment that is going to give me a revelation to go to the next level. Because sometimes I can read something and have something and mean nothing to me. And then when it comes back up, it means so much to me. But that's just my personal thing. That doesn't mean that I knock anyone that has favorites because people ask me that all the time. And it's like, I'm stumped because I don't, I don't look at stuff to, to have favorites. And I used to be feeling a certain way about that because I could be in a room with five people. And they all tell me what they say. But like, ooh, maybe blue is my favorite color. But this is my favorite, this is my favorite place to be. And I'm stuck. It's like, I don't have no favorites. But then, I, then when I started to really think about it, I'm like, maybe I'm just designed to really not have favorites. And then I put what I just shared with you guys as far as the reason why. And it keeps me, listen, I don't have no favorite kids. I got four kids. <laughs> Who's your favorite? Who's your favorite? And I'm sitting there like, oh my God. But I could tell you that I love each one of them for what they bring, for who they are. And I right. can give them, I can, I can treat them with, with unbiases because of that. So I'm sorry if I messed y'all game up. I apologize. You really <laughs> did, yeah. <laughs> but I can say this. I, I could throw a few out there. My people fail for the lack of knowledge. Knowledge is important. Okay. A lot of times we're our own failure. Right. Okay. So, so, right. so, okay. So I throw that out there for y'all. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, we'll try to go through the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You got one more, Asia? Um, I did want to ask, what's one activity that you enjoy doing with your family? Just spending time. We, I, it doesn't have to be anywhere, but I love when we get together and we're just talking and, and, you know, there's no distractions. So it's no, it's no particular place because we can be anywhere. We can be sitting in the car in traffic. We could be in the kitchen. I just really love to just sit with my family and hear their experiences and just, and just no matter where it's at, not necessarily an activity, but um, I, I do just love to be with them. And I, again, look, that, that kind of would lean to favorites, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. Y'all don't hurt me now. I'm a different kind. Don't hurt me. But um um, it's just my activity is with them. It's just to be with them and just and just and just sit down and talk and just you know, just talk. Cool. Okay. Um, other than your own, what is your number one business book? My other than my own, I always go back to Thinking Grow Rich. I talk about it in okay. my book a little bit because because it's one book one that I read in one night, and it was the first wow. book. It was the yeah because. I had it in my book. My friend gave it to me. My friend Greg gave it to me. And it sat in my bag for weeks. And one day I was cleaning out my clipper bag and I was like, let me see what this is all about. And what the book presented to me was principles that I was operating in, but didn't know how to identify. Mm -hmm. so, so here's the experience. I'm reading the book and he's saying something. I'm saying, this is me. Wait a minute, I do this. Wait a minute, this, is this why this happened? But it was like a self-identifier to be like, wait, there's something here. And then it, it, it led into a series of other books. And then when I got to the Bible, when I got to the Bible, I said, you know what? Napoleon Hill pretty much just summed up a lot of what the Bible did just didn't add scriptures to it. Right. So I kind of, I kind of could tell you like Think and Grow Rich was like that book. But then the Bible, when I, when I really got into it, I have like greater levels of understanding. It's like God created the book all of us to get this great understanding for all of the principles that I that, that I that I learned then. So yeah, I didn't want it, I don't know if it would have been corny to say the Bible. <laughs> in, in a way, because people, people just know about the Bible, but I'm saying it was really thinking grow rich that really turned my mind to just you know expand on another on another level. So I always revert back to that when people ask me that. 
cool. Yeah, I've read that book, and Thinking Grow Rich does have a, like a lot of gems in it. Mm-hmm. And I can see the correlation between that and what you said. You you see it in the Bible because you see a lot of those same principles in mm-hmm. the Book of Proverbs, in the Book mm-hmm. of James. Um, and so, yeah, I'm PK. So yeah, I'm, <laughs> so I'm a little. Familiar. I got you. I got you. <laughs> but you do see a lot of those those parallels. Um, cool. All right. Uh, what is what's the number one skill you would say? Uh, a new entrepreneur would need to stay sharp and successful in business? A, a number one skill. Let me see. You know, you know, I've never thought of a number one skill because I can sidetrack and say there, there are skill sets, just like okay. sets, there are skill sets that one needs to have. And I think, I think they should never, ever be afraid to listen, right? To basically keep the ears of the street a skill to not know it all is a skill in itself that you always need help. And I think mentoring is very important for the new entrepreneur to submit yourself to people who have already done it so you don't waste years of your time. Because you, you can waste a lot of time and feel that you can't accomplish something. But, you, you know, mentorship is important. Um, the, earlier you, the earlier you can talk to others and get insight and keep it that way, the better. And again, you know, I don't, if I got a principle, nine times out of 10, I got somewhere in the Bible, I can reference it. But when we look at Jesus Christ himself, the book of Luke chapter two, the latter part of that chapter from 48 all the way down to 52 talks about how Jesus at 12 years old was talking to the elders and the wise men or, or wiser men than him while he was 12. So, so he was willing at an early stage to be mentored by those who came before him, even though ultimately he would know more than them. But it just shows to what he was able to submit himself to the process to be successful, right? And I think that entrepreneurs should have that skill to always want to hear, to learn, and 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 be exposed to those who went before them. And I really believe, that, I mean, there's a lot that we could talk about when it comes to entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs and what they might need, particularly new entrepreneurs, but um, constantly seek wisdom and knowledge from those who went before you. And look for, you know what, also, I can say this because I can keep going on, but look for insightful things that even in other industries, like tap into other people's industries and you'll see that there's some things that you can also bring over to the industry that you're trying to uh, embark on and, and, and it'll be revolutionary in your industry. Matter of fact, you'll look like a genius a lot. I was telling somebody that the other day, like, I'm really not a genius. I'm just able to tap into what other people are doing and then I'll bring it to another sector and they'll be like, you're a genius. And I'm like, not really, because they just really was doing that over there in the other industry, but nobody knew they was doing it that way. And I brought it over here. And I mean, that's a genius in itself, but I don't take, I just, I just think that just grabbing as much insight you can from everywhere. Be open to hear. And I think that's a, that's a skill set in itself. Absolutely. Um, being open-minded, applying knowledge, gaining mm-hmm. knowledge. Yeah. So you hit it spot on. Um, so that's the number one. It wasn't too bad. <laughs> um, right. And uh, where can people buy the book? Well, my book is available right now on Amazon.com. I believe it's for uh, $11.99 right now. Um, uh, Amazon.com, just type in Million Dollar Seed, Alan Brown, and it will pop up for you. Okay. Absolutely. Do you have uh, any social media handles? Oh, yeah, sorry. No problem. Uh, Instagram, I'm at Pastor Alan Brown. Facebook, I'm just Alan Brown. Um, and that's pretty much where I'm at right now. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. Pastor Brown, I know you said um, 
your wife is in the room, we, you know, we can say hi to the first lady if she wants Absolutely. to say hi. Absolutely. Yes. Listen, I'm for first lady. <laughs> I'll put her on the spot. Let me tell you something people normally ask my wife, and I'll, I'll say whatever. They, 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 they ask basically, y'all kind of tapped in it. It's like, how did your wife feel about all of that? You know, and I really think because it challenges them, but they'll usually ask her like, how did you do all of that? Like, how was you there? But I'll let us speak for herself. Anyway, here's, Mel here's Melissa. She's on the, come on on the time. We could talk talking too much. Hello. 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 <laughs> Wow. Uh, the way, y'all got y'all got a question for me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we just wanted to say hi to you, First Lady Brown, and um, anything you wanted to add to uh, yeah. what your husband had to say. Yeah. No, you have a question. <laughs> <laughs> did you? When did you? Did you ever think to yourself you were going to be a First Lady? No. <laughs> And also, what went through your mind um, when he initially said that he wanted to give everything away? Initially, because you were a wife and a mother, um, did you know that it was just going to be instant, like it was just going to come right back? Or were you a little hesitant? Or Uh-oh, we can't hear her. I was hesitant a little, but back then I was more comfortable. Because he had already been given away stuff. We had <laughs> we had moved in our basement, rented out stuff for our house. Like he was already slowly doing stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So by then I was more Okay. And ha has being with him in, in um increased your faith just tremendously, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm not speaking like I didn't grow up much at all. Like, okay. Mm -hmm. Right, right before him, I was about to convert so I wasn't on that. And I also prayed out of the situation I was in, um, probably like a month before I met him. Mm -hmm. I also prayed like for God to just take me out of the situation because I think I start going to church with a friend. Yeah, so when it all unfolded and everything was just taken out of like I could see every step of the way how you know how he connected me with me and everything, like it was just. Always are. Are you an entrepreneur as well? No. 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 <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. 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 Thank, thank you, you first so lady, much. for saying thank hi. You. <laughs> thank you for letting us borrow your husband for yes. about an hour. <laughs> appreciate it. It's it's fun. It's fun. Um, Pastor Brown, thank we appreciate you so your time. Much. I know you're a very busy yeah. man. Yes. Thank you so and, much. Uh, that was like such a blessing. Uh, yeah, and I, and I hope your, lis your listeners benefit from this uh, episode. Um, I'm sure God, they will. God is absolutely good, and, he, and he's real. And, you know, I I I know where I was before God, and and that's kind of hard to say because there is no knowing before God. I feel like he was always there. But I just, I just want to encourage everyone, to, wherever you are, to try to tap in a little bit more because sometimes the distractions, sometimes the things that we hold on to, are the main things from keeping those overwhelming or overtaking blessings that God wants to put in your life. When I when I share everything that I share, you know, I always want to be successful, but I didn't know that God would have so much to do with it when I submitted to him. He kind of just took the burden out of, you know, it doesn't mean it's not going to be challenges, but he kind of took the burden out of the process of the worry 
that comes to to I guess what you know some entrepreneurs might feel if you can totally trust God, and it's not e it's not easy at first. This is something that you have to grow into, and you have to understand that God will be there. When God told me, I, I I'm gonna close with this if y'all don't mind. When God told me to buy this building, I was just like, wait, are you sure? Like, and then next thing you know, confirmation started coming in. A, a, a person came and he was like, listen to this. He said why don't you just go ahead and buy this building? And I was sitting there like, wait a minute, why did you just say that to me? He said, cause I was looking at you and you was looking like you was thinking about buying the building. So I said, I just spoke what was on my mind. I said, you don't know this, but I just signed a contract yesterday to purchase the building. And I was sitting there like, God, is this the, is this the right thing to do? You see what I'm saying? So God assured me through, through someone else. And then I met, I seen somebody I didn't see in a long time. He said, man, I see you build up that barbershop. I see you build up the school. Next, and this was just last week. He said, next thing you're gonna do is tell me that you bought the building. And I'm like, I'm closing on it next week. He was like, oh my God. So <laughs> God, God, God kind of is out there with us. If we if we have the heart to hear him, he'll he'll keep feeding you. And I just, you know, I, I don't know how to encourage you or encourage even more, but but just try to tap in and just say, God, speak to me. I want to know you. I want to. I want to, you know, that experience, because this is what I said to God. I said, God, I don't want to just read about these miracles in the Bible. I want to see them. He said, yeah, you want to see them? Then, 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 then trust me all the way. That's how God talks. Like, you want to see those miracles in the Bible? They came with faith. Each one, if you look at uh, Hebrews chapter 11, on into 12, it's all about faith. And, it, and it's all a remembrance of what everybody did who received anything great in the word, Bible. What was that? What was their action of faith? And you should be able to tell somebody, you know what? All of this came about because I took this one step to believe and did this, and God did this, and that's pretty much it. Amen. That's a good note to eat, to end on. Um, thank you, Pastor Brown. Um, you get the uh, benediction, please, because <laughs> I am done. I am done. <laughs> Well, I, well, I, well, Lord, we thank you. We give you honor. We give you glory. We give you praise. I thank you right now for my sister, Asia. I thank you for my brother, Charles. I pray that they actually explode in all of their endeavors. I pray that for every listener who has heard this podcast or who will hear this podcast, that they increase in faith, that they pull something out of it, Father, that they can apply in their life, not tomorrow, but today, immediately, as soon as they hear it, that something quickens their spirit to move so that they can understand the power that exists in you that they can grow beyond their wildest dreams, that you can do more than they can even ask or think exceedingly, your word says, Father. I pray that on their life, that they can have an overtaken blessing, so that they can too, one time, be on a podcast like this and testify about the goodness of what you can do when they decide to tap in and connect to you, Lord. Lord, we know that you love us. We know that your kingdom is real. We know that you can't fail us. Lord, we know that if we just step out on faith, that you have something that will just turn our world upside down. I'm praying for every entrepreneur who will hear this on today, that when you feel that you are stuck, to keep on going. Don't let, don't waver in your faith. Don't let the obstacles before you deter what you planned out and set to do. The obstacles are just there to build your faith. The obstacles are just there to test you, but you got to pass the test. After you hear a word like today, after you be inspired like today, take this inspiration to grow. That is my prayer for everyone who is listening on today. I'm praying nothing but prosperity, not just monetary, but prosperity in your spirit, prosperity in your soul, so your soul can prosper. Lord, we just thank you for everything that transpired in this side of earth on today, on this podcast. And again, I pray for a double portion.
for my brother Charles and my sister Asia for everything. Amen. God bless them on today, Father. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 We appreciate that. Thank Thank y'all for the invite. Thank you. All right. uh, That was an awesome interview, uh, Asia. Holy. Yeah, he's he's a pretty good Oh, God, that was so good. (laughs) I needed all of that. All of that. Give me them double portions, them double blessings, the prosperity, the entrepreneur. I'm here for it. Thank you. He has a great story, uh, you know, starting from, you know, you know, learning to cut hair and, you know, trying to make some money on the side as a kid. I, again, I did the same thing. Um, and then, you know, taking that and uh, launching that from business to business to real estate, to his book, to uh, to the barber school, to other things. And so, and to the music business. And so um, I think it's just a testament of what mm-hmm. you can accomplish if you, like he said, keep an open mind, uh, position yourself, uh, foster those relationships, uh, you know, meeting people, getting to know people, networking, uh, and using all of those to your advantage and, you know, applying all the skills you learned along the way. Because uh, even when, if you're, you know, barbering or doing hair or whatever, you deal with a lot of money. And so you can go out and you can, you know, buy a nice car and, you know, like you said, you know, all the fancy clothes or whatever, or you can invest that money into the next come up. And so right. you can invest it into a building or into, uh, into your own business, like you're renting from someone else into buying your own thing uh, or into a total, you know, different industry altogether. Like he went from that into real estate and buying, you know, other stuff. So, um, or into the music business and using that money to, um, to launch into other things. And so that was, that's really cool that, you know, um, he is, he exemplifies all of those principles. Um, so yeah, uh, a lot of a lot of gems, a lot of nuggets there, and you know, um, also you know, being um, um, very firm in your faith. Um, and you know, I know everyone who's listening may not be Christian or whatever, and that's fine. Right. Um, but whatever you know, your faith may be, um, I think they still have the same core principles. Um, right. And so, a lot of times, it's just you know, being humble and listening and having an open mind. Again, all those, it, that goes across, um, across faiths. So no matter right. what, you know, your faith is, you know, it kind of, it kind of all applies. And so if you're Muslim or um, a Buddhist or whatever, a Baha'i or whatever, I mean, it, it, it applies across the board, no matter what. So um, I know I read um, The Alchemist. Have you read that book? I've, I've heard of it. I haven't read it yet. It's a great book. Um, but uh, one thing that he mentioned about um, being able to to hear God, and so it talks about that in that book, and how you don't necessarily hear God like as a voice, like I'm talking to you right now. Right. It may be in things that happen uh, that lead you down one path or another, and a lot of us see that as God speaking to us, like, "Hey, don't go that way, go this way." Um, and I kind of that's kind of the way I look at the world now when a path is blocked for me. It's like, okay, God don't want me to go that way. Let me go this way. So um, one of the nuggets I picked up from that book. So if you haven't read The Alchemist, definitely pick that up. But mm-hmm. also pick up <laughs> The, the Million Dollar Seed. That's the Alan Brown. He, as he said, you can find it on Amazon. Uh, just search for it there. 
and you can find him on social media at Pastor Alan Brown. Um, final words, uh, Asia? Well, I was just going to say that I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs, successful entrepreneurs always either, right, you find God at the core of it. You're like, okay, in order to be successful, I have to have God in the mix. Or I have to be at a place where I don't mind letting everything go. I have to be either, you know, it's got to be a certain, like a desperation, a hunger, a desire. I just know that there's more out there for me than what I'm doing right now. Right. And I think you have to have that mindset and that, that spirit of um, just to, you know, just to do something different. I've got to jump. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I will fall or God will handle it or I'm, we're just going to land how we land. Right. And then that's how you end up flying and succeeding. So. Right. Uh, a friend of mine told me one time, and I don't know why I've, this is always uh, stuck with me, but I remember she said, uh, sometimes you have to jump off a cliff and not worry about breaking your legs. And so, uh, of course, not literally. But Because right, like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> hmm, I so just see my legs go this way and that way when you said it. <laughs> sometimes you just have to jump. And, you know, I think what she's saying is sometimes you just have to have faith that, you know, you're going to land where you're supposed to land. And that's what that saying means. Um, and we have to be confident and that, you know, what we're going to land on is, is solid ground. And yeah. so... Um, but that takes a little bit of a little bit of faith, a little bit of courage, yeah. um, and a little bit of courage, and you know something bigger than you. So, um, but yeah, good, great episode, great episode. So I think this is gonna be uh, a classic one. All right, guys. Um, so you guys can follow us, of course, uh, on social media at Afrobox everywhere uh, we definitely want to get your feedback if you have any feedback let us know shoot us a message make a comment on our post or shoot us a message hit us any DMs. um like i said at afros lots of biz uh, you can also join our facebook group is at afros lots of biz i'm sorry afros lots and biz fb group on facebook just go to groups and search for that um so also leave a, uh, a comment um leave a rating um particularly in apple Podcasts. it helps uh, other listeners find us and uh, we want to hear your feedback you know good or bad tell us how you feel yeah tell us how you really feel so um until next Raw, time no chaser <laughs> <laughs> we're really not sensitive guys i promise you we're not, <laughs> we're not, we're not. <laughs> Um, so whatever you have to say, let us know. We definitely want to hear it. Uh, and until next time, you guys have a great week. See you later.